Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Daryl Sampson. Daryl is completely crazy about the classic console video game EA Sports NHL 94, and to mark its approaching 30th anniversary of pixelated nostalgia, he has organized the King of 94 World Championships, taking place September 23rd and 24th at Free Play, right here in downtown Toronto. Players will literally be traveling from across North America to compete, as no less an authority than TSN, the sports network, has called NHL 94 the GOAT of all hockey video games. Welcome, Daryl, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me on here. And I'm doing well. Uh, I am located in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, out in the prairies. (laughs) I like having a prairie boy on the Toronto Legends. That's great. Now, before we talk about your tournament, King of 94, what is NHL 94? So NHL 94 is a video game that was uh, created, obviously, back in the mid-90s. And uh, it was the third installment of a series that was started by EA Sports. So their first game came out, uh, was called NHL Hockey. Uh, Most people refer to as NHL 92. And that was only on the Sega Genesis console. Then in the second year, uh, they came out with NHL PA 93. So the difference between the two years is the 92 version had the NHL teams, but only the numbers of the players, not the names. Then in NHL 93, they had all the players because the PA signed off, but the NHL didn't. And so the teams are just the city. So for example, even like New York Islanders is listed as Long Island in the game. And then NHL 94 kind of tied that all together. Uh, So they were able to get the NHL license and the PA license on board. It was something that actually came together almost at the last minute because of the fighting that was in the game in 93. And the NHL said, you know what? We want to be part of this, but you got to take it out. So there was sort of a almost a last minute decision to remove fighting from the game because they felt that having the, uh, the team licenses were more important. Well, very interesting. Now, I have to ask you, why NHL 94? Why not 93? Why not 95? How did you become such an avid enthusiast of this particular video game? Uh, you know what? I think uh, it's a quote that I heard from Mark Lesser, who's uh, who was the main programmer for the game. And he said it was kind of the first time that it felt like a real NHL hockey game. And I kind of agree with that. It was it was the first time that the one-timer was introduced. That's obviously very popular in today's hockey games. Uh, first time that manual goalie control was introduced. And just the overall gameplay of the game just made it uh, very exciting, very fun to play. And I think that's why a lot of people really enjoy it. Whereas, you know, 93 obviously didn't have the features. 95, it came out afterwards and they completely changed the game engine which uh, I think most people felt like that gameplay deteriorated quite a bit. And so they didn't enjoy as much, which is too bad because I think if they had left the same game engine, 95 had some nice features. It it brought in the first time a season mode. Uh, It had trade a player options, which a lot of guys love. But, uh, you know, I think if they had kept the, the, the gameplay the same, we probably would be talking about NHL 95 right now. 
But, you know, I digress. NHL 94, to me, is the pinnacle of hockey video games. And uh, it's been voted number one hockey game in, in many surveys and and write articles and those kinds of things as well. So, Well, you're obviously a huge advocate of NHL 94, and you're a leader in the NHL 94 community. I want to know, Daryl, how'd you get so kind of emotionally invested in something that originally came out 30 years ago on what is today considered kind of a prehistoric 16-bit computing platform? Uh, you know what? It was probably started, uh, I think, around 06. Uh, and I just happened to be, uh, you know, just Googling about my favorite game. It had been a, probably a few years that I played it on a regular basis. And I found the NHL94.com website. And so then I was just, you know, reading, spending... Uh, a lot of time reading through all the information it had, saw that they had a forum that you could sign up for, and then found out that there was an online league that's free to play. After that, I was just kind of taken away by it. So it, it renewed my interest again and in, in the love of the game, and I've been playing online ever since. And as you mentioned, uh, we have some live tournaments that uh, have kind of evolved from that, which has been, which has been really cool. Well, let's talk about those tournaments. King of 94, how did it originally get started, this tournament that you've got? And I believe it's the eighth version of this tournament coming up in September in Toronto. Yes, that's correct. It's the eighth tournament. It started back in 2015. So the gentleman named Mikey McBrien, who is, uh, he was on this television show called Ice Pilots NWT. Which is sort of which, if you're not familiar with it, uh, it was kind of a documentary style TV show where they fo- they followed this group of people that flew um, sort of World War II airplanes up in the north part of Canada, Buffalo Airways, and so that show um, you know had its popularity, and Mikey was one of the main uh, key figures of that show. So when the series had kind of wrapped up, he wanted to do uh, something else. And his idea initially was just to do this 10 minute YouTube video of finding out why, why do guys like NHL 94 still? And it's his favorite video game. So he just started off by, you know, asked the community said, Hey, you know, would somebody mind putting a tournament together? I'd like to talk to some people and that kind of thing. So I sort of jumped in and I said, Hey, why don't you come to Saskatoon if you want? And I'll, I'll get some guys together and we'll play a tournament. So he flew in for that. And he interviewed a bunch of us, and then it sort of evolved from that. He ended up interviewing programmers of the game, former players from the game. So like Glenn Anderson, Steve Larmer, Cliff Ronning, and it ended up being 45 minutes to an hour, which uh, it's a great video game, a documentary. You can actually check it out on YouTube uh, now, so for free, uh, called Pixelated Heroes. And that is what spawned the King of 94 tournament. So Mikey, his ultimate goal at the end of it was he wanted to find out who was the best player in the world at NHL 94. And it became a bit tricky because uh, people that know the game well know that there's two versions of it. There's a Sega Genesis console version, and there's a Super Nintendo console version. And if you put them side by side, they're actually, they're different. Uh, while, you know, and, you know teams and rosters are, are, are uh, you know, the same, similar, uh, the games themselves were had different developers. So, you know, when you're playing one, you could be really good at the Sega Genesis one, but then when you play the Super Nintendo one, you may not be as good because it's just kind of a different game. And so we had to figure out what we were going to do there. So we held the tournament and we held two brackets. So we had a 64 guys 
play on the Sega Genesis side. 64 guys play on the Super Nintendo side. And this took place uh, at uh, Real Sports downtown Toronto, uh, just by the, uh, well, at the time it was the Air Canada Centre. Uh, that was the same day, actually, that uh, Matt Sundin was having his statue unveiling. So, I mean, the place was just packed, not just with competitors, but, I mean, the whole area was just filled with people. So it was pretty darn cool. So we played a tournament. We started we started at like 9 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And the plan was to finish it by 9 o'clock that evening. We actually ran out of time. We had our we we did get our, our champion for Sega and we did get our champion for Super Nintendo and they were supposed to play against each other, but we ran out of time and got kicked out of Real Sports. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, what are we gonna do now? We we need to we need to solve this. So we ended up kind of packing up and we went to a, a hotel. One of the guys said, Hey, you know what? I've got a suite. Why don't you guys come there? And the last two guys uh, can play. So you know, that place packed in with, I don't know how many people we had kind of squished in there, had our film crew, and we had it so that you would play one game on Sega and one game on Super Nintendo. And if they split that, then they would play one more game, uh, whoever had scored the most goals in the first two, one more game, and whoever scored the first goal in that third game was considered the winner. And so uh, the guy from Super Nintendo ended up winning the whole thing, uh, which was pretty cool. And so as part of this uh, champion, uh, overall champion, he got to smash the opposing uh, guy's console. So he got to smash his Sega Genesis console. Now, here's where it gets crazy, Andrew. Someone had the idea that they, you know, they would take a sledgehammer and smash this console. And my thought was, okay, maybe they'll just go outside the hotel and do it. But no, they put it on the floor his name was Mikhail. He grabbed the sledgehammer and he smashed it on the floor. And I mean, it made a huge sound. But Mikhail kept going. He didn't hit it once. He hit it twice. <laughs> he must have hit it five or six times. And I'm kind of looking at it going, okay, is, is somebody going to step in here? Because we're going to get kicked out. So eventually Mikey grabbed it uh, on on one of his uh, attempts to smash it one more time and said, okay, that's, that's good. But uh Fortunately, we didn't get kicked out of the hotel. They did came up, come up and say, okay, everyone's got to leave. But uh, thankfully, the guys that had the room didn't lose their room. So it was a sort of a crazy, crazy end to end the very first, uh, very first King of 94 tournament. That's an amazing start. And as you fast forward to this year, the eighth version of the tournament, how many entries are you expecting this year? Other than the first time, we usually try not to cap it. We didn't want to uh, cap any registrations. And it, it ranges every year, uh, I would say, between 35 to 45 guys on each console. Uh, but this year, we had to cap it because of time. Uh, we only have a certain amount of time that we were allotted at free play. Uh, so it's 35 players aside. Uh, Sega sold out within two weeks. And Super Nintendo has one spot left, actually. So sitting at 34 right now. And uh, I would expect it to probably go uh, within the next four weeks here. That's great. That's a great story. The people want to play NHL 94. Now, the winner of each live tournament is crowned the king of 94. What do the winners get? Is it just bragging rights? Cash. So they the top three players get cash. We, we The money that's collected for this tournament is we put it all back into the tournament. So uh, I'm one of the organizers myself and another guy named Michael uh, we put this tournament together each year. And sorry, when I say Michael, it's not Mikey McBride. He 
kind of looked after it the first two years. I helped him with it. And then he said, you know what, if you want to just kind of take it over, you can run with it. And I said, hey, appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, this other Michael, I'm Michael Capewell. We we uh, run it and the top three players get cash. Uh, it's, uh, you know, winner, I think the most, the Vegas one, we gave out about 2000 to the winner or something like that. And it ranges, you know, sometimes it's between 1000 to $2,000, something like that, depending on how many players we get. Uh, we also take the money. We buy some prizes with it. But uh, Michael and I agreed, like, we don't we don't get paid for this. We don't want to get paid for this. Uh, we want to be able to just host something that we've loved for a long time. And you know what? And we get people that attend from uh, all over North America. And I will say, Andrew, this is the first year where we actually have somebody outside North America. He's coming from Australia believe it or not. I actually, when I first saw the registration and I saw uh, WA, I thought, okay, Washington State. But then I delved a little bit b- deeper and I saw, okay, it's Perth. And I was like, I'm pretty sure Perth is an Australian city. And so I Googled it. Sure enough, WA means Western Australia. So I learned something from a, from a geography perspective. And I emailed them and I, I actually thought I was being punked. I thought this was, was a joke. I'm like, there's no way that this guy's coming from Australia. But I emailed him and I said, hey, you know what? It says you're coming from Australia. Is that, is that correct? Like, what's bringing you here? I'm assuming you're coming here for something else and then just playing in the tournament. And he said, no, I've wanted to play this a tournament since I heard about it from the beginning. I just never had the money or the time, and now I do. And I was like, wow. So he's flying you know, however long that flight takes to get to Toronto. So uh, my buddy actually Googled his name. We're pretty sure, Andrew, that... He's the men's Australian men's ice hockey coach, which is kind of neat. And I asked him about it, and he hasn't actually gotten back to my email yet. Uh, he's because he said he was from Finland. He grew up in Finland, and he's been living in Australia for the last, last few years. I said, okay, that's kind of a, an odd move. And my buddy said, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's the same guy. So that would be pretty cool if we met the uh, you know the international hockey coach of, of of Australia. That's who he is. I think it's outstanding. I think it's great that you had players coming in from all over North America. To hear you got your first outside North America player coming is even better. I have to ask, how popular is it outside of North America, to your understanding? It was uh, very popular in the, in the northern uh, like Nordic countries. So like Finland, Sweden, uh, they there's a lot of guys there that because they played online with us over the years. Uh, we've had many European players play online. Sometimes what happens is it's a bit of a struggle because it's farther away and sometimes the connection cannot be as good. And so they don't tend to stick around as long, but we've had uh, many Finnish players, many Swedish players, Germany, uh, Austria, uh, Great Britain. One guy from Northern Ireland likes to play too. <laughs> That's a funny story with the guy from Northern Ireland. He actually likes winning the regular season and doesn't care about the playoffs because it's a soccer thing for him, right? So <laughs> he's... <laughs> He he finished at the top of the standings in one of our online leagues and was more proud of that than actually caring about what happened in the playoffs, which I thought was interesting and kind of funny too. He would not fit well in the city of Toronto where we've now decided we got to stop focusing on the regular season and we got to actually win the playoffs. But that's another topic. What's interesting to me, Dell, is that talking about console play on location versus online play. Now you expected online players ostensibly completing around the world would dominate your tournament versus those who just played at home on their couch against their buddies. But what's actually transpired in your tournaments was very different than what you expected, wasn't it? 
Yeah, especially the first one. I mean, it was heading into it, and this was in 2015. So we had already had online leagues for you know a good 10 years at that point. We kind of all assumed that you know the best players in the world would have found us by now and have been playing online. So we expected one of those guys from the online community to win. But that wasn't the case. And so the guy that won, uh, his name is Mikhail. He made it to the final 16 bracket. He was actually the only one in the final 16 bracket, if I can remember correctly, on the Super Nintendo side that wasn't an online player. And he ended up winning the whole thing. And it was it was it was amazing to see. We actually really liked the fact that you know we saw this and said, okay, we're hoping that the same thing will will happen again at some point. Now, if you ask people in the community, they'll say no. We're pretty sure now that all the best players that have been to these tournaments, that's who's going to be, who's going to win it. But then, you know what? The second year that we had it, Andrew in Vegas, same thing happened. A guy from Vancouver, his name was Jamil, never played online before. And he emailed me. He says, yeah, I'm coming to your tournament. I'm going to win it. I was like, oh, come on. You know? And he said, yeah, I watched, I watched your guys' videos. Yeah, I know I can compete with you guys. And then sure enough, he ends up winning it too. So it's happened a couple times now, uh, which is pretty darn cool that we like to see. And we're hoping that it happens again. Hasn't happened on the Sega side yet. And the, and the Sega Genesis guys are like, no, no, there's no way that there's somebody else in the world that's going to come and, and be one of us. But Daryl, what you're telling me is I can show up after not having played the game for 25 years. And theoretically, I actually got a shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, as much as we think that it's not going to happen, uh, history has already shown us that it has happened. So I want to talk a little more about the game, the actual NHL 94. Jeremy Roenick was a monster performer in NHL 94, and he apparently credits a lot of his fame to his exposure as one of the top players in this video game. He was part of this absolutely legendary scene in the 1996 movie Swingers, which starred a young Vince Vaughn and an equally young John Favreau. Now, Vince Vaughn's character is an expert at the game. He not only uses Jeremy Roenick to score a real beauty, but he also goes on to hit the great one, Wayne Gretzky, so hard that he makes his head bleed and his leg spasm, which is actually pretty graphic despite being an old-school 16-bit game. Stuck in this game, you should play another team. I took the Kings to the cup. Yeah, against the computer with the offsides. They're off. a finesse team, bro. They're a fucking bitch team. Score! Oh! Bitch! What a fucking bitch. Watch out, no, motherfucker. Do not fucking really? hit my elbow. It's not even so much me as it's Ronick. He's good. Oh, is that right? Kelly-O steals the Ronick. You bitch! Score, Chicago! Fuck, oh, man. my God. Oh! That's fucking bullshit. But that was pretty, Sue. Check this out on the instant replay. Dude, do not. You said it was fucking bullshit. Dude, Check it out. Look, look at it. The instant replay. Look at it. Yes. It's great shot. If you weren't playing great the game, game. Look, look at it. Look at it. Come on. Come on. Why do you think they put the instant, instant, instant replay in the fucking game? Oh, so you God, can see if it's bullshit. Well, you know what? I am unbelievable. You're going to look at it. Look at it. You got the game. Come on, man. I want to fucking play. I never get to play. You should practice this when I'm not here. Just fucking move it. When I'm not here, will you practice this? All right. We'll play some more. He likes to get scored. Game up, man. Great times. All right. I wish they still had fights in this game so I could bitch slap Wayne. Wait a minute, I'm fighting anymore? Oh, doesn't that suck? Why'd they get rid of the fighting? It's the best part of the old version. I think kids were hitting each other or something, man. Yeah, but you know what, Mike? You can make their heads bleed on this one. Make somebody's head bleed. Well, we're in playoffs. I'm going to make Wayne Gretzky's head bleed for super fan number 99 over here. Mm. There he is, Mikey. Check it out. His head's bleeding. Mikey, check it out. His legs, little Wayne's legs are shaking Fucking all over. Bitch. What are you doing? Daryl, any thoughts or comments on the clip from Swingers? 
Believe it or not, that's not NHL 94. The clip from the game that they use is NHL PA 93 because there was no there was no blood in 94. They took the clip from from 93 in that game. And you know, Ronick, he gets a lot of credit for being recognized as not just a best player in that game, but sort of the best, we'll call it virtual video game player, sports video game player of all time because of that game. However, I will say, Andrew, if you ask anyone in the community, in the NHL 94 community, they will give you a completely different answer of who the best players are. Uh, if you ask a Sega player, he's going to probably say Alexander Mogelli. And if you ask a Super Nintendo player, he's going to say Mario Lemieux. There are glitches and bugs do occur. Are these seen as kind of adding to the charm of the game rather than being issues? Or how do you deal with the glitches and bugs that inevitably occur? We approach the game just like the slogan. If it's in the game, it's in the game. We love the glitches. I mean, I'll say this. I love the glitches. I know that some guys, uh, you know, if you get scored on by some kind of cheesy goal that happens, and the, the glitches are rare. I mean, they don't happen very often. If you're enjoying this Toronto Legends interview about NHL 94 with Daryl Sampson, please check out the more than 150 additional episodes available anytime. We got Rick Vive. Anders Hedberg, Curtis McElhinney, Sean Burke, Christopher Stieg, and Bernie Nichols. How they did it, directly from the Toronto Legends themselves. All episodes available 24-7-365, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, the New York Rangers IRL in real life won the actual Stanley Cup in the 94 season, ending a 54-year championship drought. Is there any connection between that very significant sporting moment and the popularity of NHL 94? You know what, Andrew, that's a great question. And it's one that I actually love quite a bit because I don't know how many times I've seen comments of people saying that they became NHL fans because of this game, not because they liked hockey before and just, and then to follow the NHL. They actually started playing this game. They learned the rules from this game and then they become became hockey fans. And so when the Rangers won the cup, which is exactly what you said, you know, after 50 plus years, it just boomed. There was actually an article, and I don't know if it was if it was during the year or after that year, where it was by Sports Illustrated, I believe, some, and it was talking about why the NHL is hot and the NBA is not. And it was such a, a, a big change, a big shift, I think, for NHL in general that year. Fortunately, it sucks because I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan, but <laughs> I have different memories of that year. <laughs> But uh, I, you know, from a from a perspective from the game and and that itself, I think that's why um, the video games like that NHL took off in in popularity. Well, I was kind of shocked to learn that within EA Sports, NHL '94 was apparently the first game to actually outsell the Madden Football franchise, which is kind of incredible. And as you note, Daryl, I guess the video game was an entry point for gamers to become fans of hockey. Yeah, you know what? It's the only time it's ever happened, actually. As far as I'm aware, that was, uh, I believe it was Michael Brooks uh, had said that, that it was the only time that the hockey games outsold the Madden series was NHL 94. That year, it outsold uh, Madden 94, which, I mean, now, if you look at the sales between the NHL series and the Madden series, it's really not close anymore. But uh, that speaks a lot of the volume of, of how great the game was. It gets still gets talked about, like you said, at the beginning of the podcast, 
we're now in the 30th year anniversary of this game and we're still talking about it, you know, and I say that because, you know, you don't hear about 97 or 96 or 98 or 2001, any of those years of being, having, you know, stellar hockey games. So it's, it really says something that, you know, we're still talking about NHL 94, 30 years later, you know, even the games themselves, the new games, they've had the NHL 94 controls. So, you know, just the new skill stick, which, you know, obviously the younger players can use because it's more effective for them, but they gave you, gave you the option to use NHL 94 controls. I mean, that popularity has just kind of boomed for a long time. It's even extended into them releasing uh, a game about three years ago now. It was called NHL 94 Rewind. It was a sort of a um, tribute to the game where they took the Sega Genesis version game and they put all the existing NHL players into the game and released it as part of their NHL 21 package. So you could you could either get it with the game or or spend an extra 15 bucks or something like that. So, like, how many other games out there that are like that? Probably in other sports, there may be a couple other games that they've, you know, brought back over the years. But NHL 94, it still just always seems to be a top. It is a shocker because I would never go back and play Pong. Or Frog. Well, I would play Frogger, I guess, but I guess what's really striking to me is the 16-bit video game era was kind of 1992 to 1998. How does something created in that era still resonate today? Because that's incredible. You talked about it a little, but anything else you want to talk about why it resonates so much with all the advances we've had in video game technology? Well, I actually, I'll say it probably has a lot due to uh, the season itself. The 92-93 season actually generated the most 100-point players in the NHL history. It generated the most 50-goal scorers in NHL history. So you're talking about a lot of superstars that were in that 92-93 season, which is what the game is based off. It's based off of that those season stats. So the popularity, even from the NHL itself, I think extended towards it. And, you know, the, the 16-bit era, it, uh, it went, like, went from 91 to 98, and then, of course, they moved into the the PlayStation One era and 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 N sixty four and that kind of thing. So things started to the graphics started to get better, and obviously people weren't going to sit around uh, sticking with the sixteen bit nostalgia. But those ninety years produced more hockey games in the, that short span of year than probably in the last twenty five years. There was Mario Lemieux hockey. There was Brett uh, Hull hockey. There was a whole assortment of ice hockey video games in that 16-bit era. It was just, it was quite remarkable when you go back and you look at how many games were being produced at that time, probably in all sports, football and, and baseball, basketball came out with so many different games. Nowadays, it's just not a thing anymore. I mean, EA dominates the the, the hockey market. They come out with one game a year. It's nice to see, I guess, more recently, the... Um, some indie developers have been coming out with some cool little hockey games, but uh, you know, I mean, Madden, there's only, you know, there's Madden, there's NBA. Uh, there's not too many developers that are are in that these days on, on console. We'll, we'll say. Well, you talked a little about some of the NHLers that have shown an interest in the game or did play it. Do you have any celebrities you're aware of that are fans of NHL 94 and uh, would be supportive of this resurgence? The cool thing was uh, a few years back, we paid for a cameo for Ronick. <laughs> to introduce this was in 2019 when it was held in Toronto to introduce uh, the tournament uh, the guys were kind of blown away by that we I 
It was hard to keep it a secret, but Ronick had no idea that there was this tournament, this world championship tournament. And he, and he was just kind of blown away by it and gave us a, a nice 30 to 45 second spiel, uh, wishing us good luck and those kinds of things. So obviously I, he would be supportive of it. And you know what? I, I run the um, a Twitter account, an NHL 94 Twitter account, and I always try and tag some former guys that were in the game. And the one guy that always seems to like the posts uh, the most is Timu Solane. He loves when we post little clips of him scoring goals and, and those kinds of things. And Theo Fleury is another one, too. So between the two of them, I would say they probably love it the most. Fabulous. Well, they're, they're, and they are beloved former players. Will you be streaming the tournament play? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We stream it every year, and uh, it's on our King of NHL 94 uh, Twitch. We put it also on YouTube afterwards when it's all when it's all done. But, um, yeah, the streaming part of it, people like it. I mean, we're, we're not talking, we don't get big viewers here. You know, like, we might get 30 people watching. But those 30 people are watching are typically, typically guys that they couldn't attend because they live somewhere else. Uh, not close to Toronto, and they want to they want to check it out, and they've either attended before or they want to attend one in the future. So we do that, and we we get some commentators on, which is again, it's all volunteer. A lot of the guys do their own streaming right now, and they do their own you know video game commentaries. So we try and get a, as many as we can because typically the guys that want to do the commentating, they're also playing in the tournament. So you, it's a matter of trying to scheduling it. Uh, and then um, I've been fortunate enough the last few times to to do the last four or five sets of series, which I I really enjoy. It's a it's a fun little hobby of mine. So I get to to announce uh, as part of the last few games of, of those tournaments. So fun little thing, fun little side thing that that I really enjoy, aside from playing the game itself. I think it's great streaming it. You got play by play. Now, Daryl, I'm sure you know iGaming is huge. Gambling on esports is huge. Will you bring in any betting opportunities with your King of 94 tournament? You know what? We've been approached, I've actually been approached by some some uh, betting companies uh, that wanted to get involved in sponsoring those kinds of things. I'll say personally, gambling's not my thing. And, and I don't know if I would ever want to see it in there, but I know that there are guys in the community that uh, you know that do like to gamble and 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 bet on those kinds of games. Maybe they're they're more of or into it than I am. So I think for myself, I'll say this: I probably as long as I'm organizing it, we probably won't go that route. Uh, even if they, we were offered any kind of sponsorship or whatever, we had talked about it before, and I think just hindsight, we're we're probably just going to leave it out. But it is an interesting topic, though. It's a dynamic topic, and uh, as you probably know, it was uh, only about 18 months ago here in Ontario, uh, regulated gaming has come in, so it'll be interesting to see what comes down. Oh, yes, I know, the commercials. Oh, gosh, there's so many <laughs> game commercials when you're watching an NHL broadcast. It drives me nuts. Please it, stop. It is a point of contention in the industry. <laughs> As we close up, Daryl, I want to ask any interesting facts or trivia about NHL 94 that you would like to share with the podcast audience? Yes. The coolest thing that I discovered is about Yarmir Yager. He is the only player to play in the entire 16-bit era that was the last player to play in the NHL. And when you think about, I mean, the guy's still playing. I mean, he's still playing in, in over in Europe. But 
when he retired, uh, or I should say when he left the NHL, which I think his last team may have been, I don't know, it was Calgary or Florida, in which I think was in 2017, maybe? He was the last player in the game. And when you think about that, he was actually in the very first 16-bit game and in 98. And I had people saying to me, oh, that can't be true because there's Joe Thornton and there's Jerome McGinley. And I said, hey, go back and look. Uh, anyways, he finished it off. I thought that was kind of the, the coolest coolest stat that, I, that I've seen. So I think that is cool. Yager is a legend. Absolutely. And as you know, he st- still does appear to be playing out in uh, Europe. So again, the King of 94 World Championship Tournament will be taking place Saturday, September 23rd, Sunday, September 24th at Free Play at 300 College Street in downtown Toronto. Daryl, where can listeners get more information? Uh, Kingof94.com. So K-I-N-G-O-F-9-4.com. That's our website. So pretty much all the information is there about registration and rules. Uh, There's lots of history. Uh, We did some write-ups of the last uh, seven tournaments. So you can go in and and check some of that out if you want to read a bit of content. Um, But that's where you can find everything. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that you are also hosting a King of Griffey tournament on the Friday night playing Ken Griffey Jr. presents MLB on Super Nintendo. Now, this, is, of course, is notable because it's also the 30th anniversary of the Toronto Blue Jays' second of their back-to-back World Series wins, and the Jays are apparently a really amazing team on this particular video game. Yeah, they're probably the best team in the game. The Braves are up there, but, I mean, hitting top to bottom, their lineup is just incredible. And we, we, we started this last year... I'm actually surprised of how many people that love this game that are actually from Toronto. It's I hear probably just as almost as just as many from Toronto that love this game as anywhere across the U.S. So, which is neat, and I think it has to do with the fact that the Jays had you know beat Phillies that year, incredible home run by Joe Carter, and then this game was the you know next game to get released after that World Series win. So, I mean the. You know, you've got a, a, an amazing lineup from the Jays in there, and we we try, started to do it last year and had a, had a I don't know probably a dozen guys come and show up, show up for it. Really liked it, so we thought you know let's do it again this year, uh, and they're very excited about it. So uh, very cool. Another way to tie in into the Toronto Legends podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. And Daryl, where can we best follow you? I understand uh, you mentioned your Twitter. Uh, yeah. So NHL nine four dot com d-o-t-c-o-m uh i'm pretty active on that twitter account we have a a facebook group if you just google or sorry not google if you just search nhl 94 if you're on facebook uh there's probably about two thousand people in there that you know like to talk about the game and 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 share videos and and those kinds of things as well so uh those are two i mean i'm on instagram as well don't use it as much but uh um same thing nhl 94 d-o-t-c-o-m so I think you built an amazing community, Daryl. I think it's a great concept, and I want to wish you continued success. I hope you have a great tournament here in Toronto, September 23rd and 24th. Thanks again for joining us. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Andrew, for having me on. It was fun. It's been my pleasure. And to the listeners, on behalf of Daryl Sampson, I am Andrew Applebaum saying thanks for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast.
Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.